turn to Matthew chapter number 17. And uh, we'll begin reading in verse 1 down through verse 9, and then we'll read verse number 14. We looked last night, and uh, would have the other night, but I had that other message on my heart. At some places that Jesus visited while he was here on earth, of course, he was in the manger. And there we see he is to be worshipped by us. Worshipping the baby Jesus. Worshipping him in the beginning. Not, not waiting to see him develop or how it's going to turn out. Just haul off and worship him right now. Amen. Where you're at. We saw him in the Jordan. He's one of us. He associated with our streams. He's baptized in the same Jordan that everybody else John baptized. He was associated with our sins. Everybody in that line was a sinner. He didn't speak out and say, I'm here, but I'm not a sinner. And he associated with our silence. Heaven hadn't spoken like it was going to speak in that Jordan as to who he really was. And for the first time, heaven spoke and said what it never said about another man. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. It had been silent up to that point. But all heaven hadn't stopped speaking since then. Because every child that's been birthed through Christ into the family, God the Father says the same thing about I'm glad heaven speaks. Heaven speaks. And of course, we saw him in the wilderness as us being tempted, letting us learn the lesson and seeing that there's some things that Satan will minimize and something he will magnify. But the one he wouldn't, doesn't want you to see is the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost is in there with you during that time of trial. And we could go on and on, but I want to look here in Matthew 17, and I want us to notice how Jesus is on the mountain. And he's revealing himself to us. Aren't you glad for those times that Jesus shows up and shows off? Can you remember the first time you saw him? And the many times that you've seen him since. Of which he has made himself personally known to you. That it is no longer hearsay. It is that which you, as, as Peter says in his writing, 2 Peter chapter 1, that, that he experienced that. He was an eyewitness, he said. Eyewitness. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. I could have said that. Talking about what I could have said. I could have said I've been an eyewitness to his glory. Hallelujah. Revealing himself. But there are a few things that I want to point out about it, and I'll read this text and then... Uh, We'll look at it. The Bible said, And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart. Was transfigured before them. That's the word metamorphosis that we use. It's kind of like a worm turning into a butterfly, just completely different. He was transformed before them, and his face did shine as the sun. The God in him for the first time oozed to the outside. And his raiment was white as light. Behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias, or Elijah we know, talking with him. 
Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, now this is religion talking, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. Religion will always tie other things into it. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased, hear ye him. When the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid, and Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, and be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man. Now, when I was in Bible college, a young man was reading that verse, and he read it rather quickly, and he said, It said, Tell a vision to no man. And I said, Well, but the Bible said, Until the Son of Man be risen. So that makes a difference. <laughs> Again, from the dead. <laughs> And then, if you will, drop down to verse number 14. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son. I want to look at this matter of Jesus on the mountain, taking these disciples to reveal himself to them. It's one of these places that he walked to with them. In his steps here on earth. And aren't you glad he's still walking among us? Your pastor inferred to it already this morning. He was at your house if you could have seen him walking. He was there when you got up this morning. He was there when you went to bed last night. I'm glad he still walks among us. But it's here in this text, I would hurriedly go through and mention four or five things about Jesus on the mountain with these disciples revealing himself. The first thing that leaped out at me is to this trip up to this high mountain, and this revelation of himself. I had some questions about that I, I, as I pondered it. Uh, the first question is, why did he wait until the middle or latter end of his ministry to take them up there and reveal who he was to them? Wouldn't it have been more beneficial to have done that right after the baptism of John and or the, the hour of temptation, do it at the first instead of here? I think that's a pretty good question. Second thing is, why not take the whole crowd? I mean, why are you only taking three? Wouldn't it, I mean, don't they need to see what the three are going to see and go where they go up on top of this mountain? Why just three? Why now? And why up on a mountain? Can't you, can't you, could you do that uh, maybe on the Sea of Galilee or on the shore or maybe at church at the temple or someplace? Like, why in that distant place where it would be so hard for other people to come? 
And what's Elijah and Moses doing there? How come you got them two prophets there? These are just questions that came up to my mind. And you know what the answer to those questions are? It's very simple. It ain't none of your business. Because it is here in this text that I noticed that it was Jesus who decided the place, the period of time, the persons that were going to be there, and the, pur- the purpose of why he had them there. It was his ministry, his meeting, and his mission. Which leads me to say, on the mountain, what we see is the sovereign Jesus. The fact that he's the one in charge. And if you're going to go with him, you're going to have to let him make the decisions. This matter of walking with Christ is not an option. He doesn't need your input. He doesn't want you. He's not going to let you vote on it. He's just going to do it because he is the one who is in charge. We are not a part of a democracy. <laughs> don't get mad if he don't ask you. And someone would say, well, it just doesn't seem to be fair. Why not take the other disciples? Why not allow them? Why just three? It just doesn't seem to be fair. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I'm glad my God is not fair. Because had my God been fair, I'd be in hell. And so with you. And I think that's the reason why God created man last. Did you notice in the days of creation, he created man last. Somebody said, why didn't he create him first? Because he'd be trying to tell him what to do all the rest of the way. And so in this journey with Christ, it's not up to you and up to me as to where we go with him. That's his decision. And don't worry about where he's taking others. He's got special places for you also. Just listen and walk with Him and let Him be Lord in your life. Because, oh yes, He will save you. But everybody He saves, He intends on taking over their life. He is the sovereign Jesus. The second thing I notice in this text is that Upon this mountain, he becomes the shining Jesus. He's metamorphosized. He is transformed right before their eyes. They saw him for the first time. Now, they had seen him in many places on many occasions doing many things. But they had never seen him like they saw him on this day. Because they literally saw the glory of God oozing out of him. What majesty, what marvel to be able to witness God manifested in the flesh. He had been concealed up to that point. You know... The great thing about what happens upon the mountain is not the fact that they get to see God coming forth out of this human Christ, but the fact that Christ had been there so long, 30 some odd years, 
And the question is, how in the world can you have all of God in one body and it not be seen? How can you hold God in and it not be known? By the time that he was even crucified, there was not over a handful of people that really knew who he was. Oh, they saw him as a prophet. They saw him as a miracle worker. They saw him as a teacher. But they did not know the depths of who he really was. God in the flesh. It's the same way today. You've got a whole lot of religion that sees him on different levels. But they've never really seen him for who he really is. But it is here that he bursts forth, it, it oozes out, and they see it. I, my, my, the marvel of that is, how do you hold all that in? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thought about when he was playing with the kids, when he was five or six, seven, eight years old. Nobody else is around, he looks at them, and of course this is in, you know, 2,000 years ago, and he looks and says, you want to ride a tractor? And little Bobby said, ride a tractor? What's a tractor? He said, I'll show you. Boom, there's a tractor. Let's get on this tractor and ride a tractor. Could he, I mean, did he not have powers? But he played with those kids for all of those years, and they never knew who he was. They didn't know who he was as they marveled at what he said in the temple. The doctors and lawyers, they did not know who he was. I've thought about his father was a carpenter, and the Bible said he was a carpenter. He took on his father's uh, trade. Can you imagine the first day he comes on the job with his father and, and, uh, and uh, the man who is uh, foreman of the job uh, says to another guy, said, now this is Jesus, the son of Joseph, and uh, I want you to train him. I want you to get him initiated on how to build a house or build something. I don't know how much his daddy's taught him, but I want you to, just, you know, instruct him. And can you imagine that guy said, come on, Jesus, over here. Now, how old are you? Know, well, I'm 17, 18 years old. He said, okay. Well, let me ask you something. I know your daddy's a builder and everything. Have, have you ever helped him lay a foundation? <laughs> have I ever laid a foundation? What could he have said? Oh, yes. Matter of fact, you're standing on it, buddy. He said nothing. He sucked it in. And then after they laid the foundation, he said, now, now, Jesus, the next thing they call this framework. You ever framed anything with your daddy? <laughs> yeah, a thing or two. <laughs> huh? He went all of those years, and nobody knew who he was. He sucked it up, did not let it out, except when they get up on this mountain, it is there that he exhales the God in him, and they're able to witness and see who he really is. Amen. And I say that to, to, to say this to you. <laughs> I'm glad as a 14-year-old boy one day walking down a little alley by myself, he showed up and showed off, and I saw who he really was. Though there was that time, 
which he was concealed, thank God there was the time of which he was revealed. I'm glad he was revealed to me. And I'm glad for the times that we come together and we get beyond the sermon and the song and we see him in a new light for where we're at. The shining Jesus. Yes, sir. Amen. I'm glad for what I've been able to see. They saw him in his boldness, his brightness. They saw him in his glory. He's the sovereign Jesus. He's the shining Jesus. He takes them up to where he can reveal himself. But the third thing I would say to you comes out of this matter of Moses and Elijah. Two of the great prophets, as a matter of fact, as far as Israel's concerned, they're the most respected prophets of the whole Old Testament. And here they show up on this very mountain. And when Peter sees Moses, <laughs> you know how they felt about Moses. As a matter of fact, the Pharisees said to Jesus, so we don't, we don't need, we, had Moses, we have Moses, the lawgiver. And here is Moses standing side by side with Jesus. And then on the other side, you have that great prophet Elijah. And you know all about him and his miracles, how renowned he was. And it seemed as though that for a moment, Peter was seeing equals. Because he speaks out and he said, Lord, wouldn't it be nice if we had something built, a tabernacle for Elijah and a tabernacle for Moses and then one for you? How respectful that you would be in the midst of Moses and Elijah in this, in this work of this, of this uh, building project. That's about how smart some building projects are. And then it thundered from heaven. And it is here we learn the lesson upon the mountain that the only thing important up there is the fact that Jesus is there. And if you come down off that mountain, I don't care where it's at, I don't care what the experience may have been, if you come down with anything more or less than Jesus, honey, you didn't get what you needed to get. I'm saying he is not only the sovereign Jesus and the shining Jesus. He is the supreme Jesus. The mountaintop is not him making much of you. But he is allowing you to make much of him. And anytime he's with you, it's not going to shine light on you. And it's not going to shine light on your project. And it's not going to shine light on the others that may be there. It's going to shine light on him. Because it is the truth that he is the supreme. As a matter of fact, your experiences with him will be made known through the truth that it's all about him, through the test that it's all about him, and the totality that out of that, it's all Jesus. It's not about crossroads. It's not about a man. It's not about a building. I'm sorry, none of this is about you. It's about him. Amen. 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 
He is the one who is supreme. Have you ever been rudely interrupted? It don't feel good. And Peter's feeling right real religious. He said, Lord, let's build three tabernacles. One for Moses, one for Elijah, and thunder out of heaven came the voice of God. Now, I didn't say it this way, but Peter understood it this way. Shut up! <laughs> this is my beloved son, and whom I am well pleased. I never said that about Moses. I never said that about Elijah. I'll never say it about anybody else. I say it about my son, yes. and if it's said about you, it'll be said because of my son. Amen. Yes. Amen. It's all about Jesus. All about Him. But then I go to verse number 14. And when they were come to the multitude. When I said all I said before to bring you to this. This is what is really on my heart. And it is here that we see really what he wants us to see after we've seen what we've seen. It is the truth of the matter of this going up on the mountain and realizing that everything that happens on the mountains, not about the mountain. It's about the valley. I notice in the book of Luke when it gives this same account of the transfiguration, it said that Elijah and Moses talked to Jesus about his decease, about his death. In other words, this mountain's not about this mountain. This mountain's about another mountain. And wherever Jesus takes you, what you will understand that there will be a ministry come out of that. The cross will come out of that. And that the fact that he has them upon the mountain is not about them staying on some mountain. Or always trying to get to some other mountain. But it is here where I emphasize the simple Jesus. That he comes right back to where he left. Doing the same thing that he had done before he showed himself on that mountain. He ministers as he does in verse 14 to those who are sick and to those who are afflicted. And of course he speaks to those sinners and to those who are lost Because he came into this world on a mission to minister in low places. He humbled himself. And can I say to you, thank God for the places he takes us. Thank God for the things that we see. But understand, it's not how high you can get, but it's how low you can come to after you've seen what you've seen. That he comes down as the simple Jesus, a simple man with a simple mission and a simple method. It's all about caring for someone else. 
Now, as I have crisscrossed the country through all of these years, it's kind of humorous to me, I just see so many people trying to find the mountain. They want to go up, up on a mountain. And I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not scorning that. I mean, I know we all want to have that special experience with Jesus like no one else has had. And they do get to. They get to go up on a mountain. But as far as I can tell, that's the last time they went. He only took them up there one time. And if he takes you somewhere, any place he takes you will be as good as any other place if he's there. And you don't have to have all your experiences upon a mountain somewhere. Because the truth of the matter is, the reason you're having that experience is because there's a valley somewhere where people live everyday lives. And they need what you have seen and received from here, wherever it comes from, whether it's out on the lake on a, in a storm, or whether it's, uh, it's somewhere where he's breaking bread, or if he's uh, healing someone sick, or if he's in a garden of prayer. You can take those things in everyday life. He wants us to take what he gives us and use it where we are. Got saved for two years. I was saved in the midst of a genuine Holy Ghost revival. I was on the mountain, my goodness, for two solid years. I knew there was a devil because the Bible said there was, but he kept him away from me. I mean, I, I just, I was wallowing in his majesty. That was for two years. I came down off the mountain, and I ain't been back. But here's the thing about it. It has satisfied my heart to know that my purpose in life is not to live on some mountain, but to minister to the people who are in the valley. And when I go in and out of these churches, I go in and out of them, not trying to take them to some mountain, but to bring what I have received from Christ where he has had me to their hearts, and it'll work on them just like it has worked on you or anybody else. He wants you to take these simple truths of a simple Jesus who humbled himself and became man and ministered to people like us and take it to people like us in this day. The man said, but I want to get up on the mountain. I'm trying to get up on the mountain. You get up there and he ain't there. It ain't no good being up there. He will lead you to where he wants to reveal himself unto you. But always realize it's going to end up at the same place. It's going to put you right smack dab in the midst of reality where there's real people, a real world, and there are real sinners, and there are real troubles and real problems, heartaches, and he'll let you work that out. What happens on the mountain or wherever he took you, he'll let you work that out where you are. The Lord settled that in my heart many years ago. And as a result of that, I've never seen a big place that I'd like to go to in the ministry. 
There's never been a big pulpit I've ever wanted to preach in. There's never been a lot of meetings that I could fill my calendar up that I've wanted. I have no aspirations. My wife can verify to, to that. She said to us during, the, during the, uh, the COVID thing, we were out 18 weeks, and I was just whistling Dixie, having a good time. She said, well, don't it bother you that you ain't out somewhere preaching? I said, well, no, that's not what I'm supposed to be doing right now. But the truth of the matter is, he was just as real in the 17 weeks and worked in the 17 weeks like wherever I, I, wherever I was at because that's just life. Life's where you're at. He wants to be the Jesus that you can appreciate, not just on a mountain somewhere, but that he will take his divinity, his divineness that's further than any mountain and come down into your living space and walk with you on the job where you have to work so that you can minister there. Or mama in the home where you're raising those kids so you can minister there. As we crisscross going in and out of businesses and places in our world, he doesn't want to be just the mountain Jesus. He wants to be the simple Jesus that can show himself through you where you are. And aren't we blessed? That he's willing to walk with us in the everyday life. And it'll be that everyday life that he'll use to touch somebody that's having to live the everyday life. Oh, Jesus, can't we stay on the mountain? We can have camp meetings up here. We could be up here. We could have one a month. I probably won't ever bring you back up here. That's what he would have had to say. (laughs) Get this off your mind right here, Peter. I'm taking you back down where this will work. Where I want it to work. Wow. With whoever you are and whatever you're going through, the simple Jesus doesn't mind spending time in the hospital with you. If you end up in the rest on why, he'll show up there. He'll be the simple Jesus that can use you in the Odd situations of life. Young or old, he'll just walk right through the midst of it with you. But if you're all wearing, you're running around looking for some mountain, <laughs> you're going to miss him. He might want to just show up right where you're at. Would that satisfy you if he just showed up right where you're at? Say, Lord, we're going up on the mountain. <laughs> no, not today. Mm-mm. It's probably I'll have to show you some things about a storm today. I'm thinking about taking you into a garden. I've got a special place of prayer. That's a, it'd be hard for you to stay awake in there, I mean, but we're going into the garden. I want to show you a wilderness place. You ever been out in a wilderness place? I want, to sh- I want to take you where people have to live and let you use what I have shown you to show them who I am in flesh and bone and blood. 
I would say it this way. <laughs> Jesus did not come into this world to show us how to be God. He came into this world to show us how to be man with a heavenly Father who is God. Because he came to work through his humanity. And everything he did, he did through his humanity. And everything he does through you, he will do through you. Whatever the facets of humanity is, because you're working with humanity, but you will have God in you to work through that. But you can't do this world any good up on some mountain, saying, wish y'all could come. <laughs> wish you were up here. <laughs> now, he may take you up there, and that's wonderful. But more times than not, he's going to take you somewhere where life happens. And in the midst of that life, he's going to reveal to you who he is in that life. Jesus is on the mountain revealing himself to us. And aren't you glad for the Jesus that you've come to know? And yes, I have had a mountain experience with him, but most that I have learned from him, I've learned down in the valley where there's just everyday living. And I've come to the place that I'm pretty well satisfied <laughs> with the Jesus who takes care of everyday living. Yes, sir. Did you notice it there in verse 14? And when they were come to the multitude, <laughs> yeah. there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him. Oh, don't get to him. Man, he's just come from a mountain experience. These boys have been in camp meeting. They've been with God. You just, don't bother them. It's not how high you can get, but it's how low you can become as a result of your experiences with Jesus. Are you hearing me? Because that's why he came into this world. To humble himself. And that's the way he saved this world. In his humility. He's still walking among his people. Just look for him where you're at. And you'll probably see him. Let's stand. I'll ask my wife to come and play. I'm going to tell you, I like that shine, that sovereign Jesus. I like that shining Jesus. I like that simple Jesus. But I'm going to tell you something. Of all of them, it's that simple Jesus that has ministered to me the most. From what I have seen out of his everyday life among the common people and situations that ministers to my heart. I'm glad for a Jesus that will associate with us, minister to us and minister through us. <laughs> Had an elderly preacher pushing 90, preached for him for many years, confined to his home 
little recliner. He's now being moved and may have been moved. I talked to him the other day. He was in the process into a rest home. But we went by a few months back and sat for two hours and talked to him. The man had been a lot of places, done a lot of things that the Lord had walked through. And in tears, he looked at me and he said, Now, preacher, I know that folks feel sorry for me because I'm sitting in this recliner in here. But he said, I want you to know I'm experiencing more of who Christ is right here than I have ever in my life. And I have been able to pray like I've never been able to pray. This is a man that was on the move all the time. You would thought it would have been devastating to be, to be confined to that. <laughs> but you know where it, what he found? That little old living room in a recliner all by himself, except for the visit of his children. He found Jesus didn't mind sitting in that recliner with him. And that it did not confine him. This world cannot confine you as to your outreach. That he could pray far beyond the boundaries of that little house. Had a precious lady up in Springfield, Illinois. Dixie's her name, 94 years old. Full of God, full of God. Within the year, she ended up in a retirement center. Had to leave her home. And she said, Preacher, I had to go back over to my house and go through some things. And said, I thought, man, it's going to be devastating when I get over there. I know it's going to be devastating because I'm going to have to leave what my whole life. But she said, you know, I went over there and walked around through that place and said as if it had no effect on me at all because I knew I was right where God wanted me to be among them, she called them older people. She's 94. She said, I spend my time, she sings. The Lord called her to sing at 84. She sings all the time. Anywhere. And she said, I go into those little rooms and I sing to them people and I look into their eyes and when I see the loneliness, I go and sing to them. And she said, I know I'm right where God wants me. <laughs> 94 years old and looking into her eyes. Looks like she's on top of the mountain right now. But she's ministering in the lowest of places. because She's learned to experience Jesus where he's at 99.9% of the time. And that's where you're at. Let's let us, let's ask him to use, if he wants to take us to a mountain, that's, we'd love it. But Lord, even if you do that, it's so that we can serve you in the valley. But in our hearts today, let us say, Lord Jesus, I just want, you to serve me, where, use me where I'm at with you. Work through me. There are people here that need you. With what you've said to me, where you've taken me in simplicity. And they'll see a simple life with simple words, but it'll be full of the truth of the experience of Christ.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You listen as she sings. <laughs>